I'm Aria Schwartz, and welcome to the Windsider Show, where it's all about the W. Today, I am honored to welcome to the show one of the best beat reporters out there, Alexa Philippou. If you're following the W or NCAA, you know the name. like our show please consider joining our patreon community patreon.com backslash windsider for less than a cup of coffee a month you can directly show support for the hard work we do covering the w and don't forget to see our amazing staff's written content over at windsider.com while you're over there check out our overseas tracker it's live now yes they are still playing overseas even as training camp has begun you can see where all your favorite WNBA players are playing overseas all in one place And remember, downloading the episode makes our stats look better and allows us to continue doing this important work. Alexa, welcome to the show. So excited to have you. I've been following you on many platforms for a long time and very excited to chat with you about the Connecticut Sun. But first of all, I want to start off welcoming you to the show and to give you a moment to kind of tell everyone where they can read your work, see your work and kind of hype yourself up a little bit. Oh my gosh. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. I'm honored to to be on the show. I'm a huge fan of all the work you all do at Windsider. It's such integral coverage and analysis for the W. So um, thank you again. Um, in terms of myself, um, in case anyone doesn't know me, I am the Connecticut Sun and UConn women's basketball beat reporter for the Hartford Current. So I cover women's basketball pretty much as close to you know 365 days a year as you could ask for, which is, it's a dream, honestly. So you can find my work at current.com. You can find my work on Twitter at Alexa Philippou. Um, also on TikTok occasionally. I, I do try and, I did start Ooh. to do some TikToks during the NCAA tournament when I was in Texas. Um, I'll, I'm going to try and, you know, you know, bring some TikToks back for a WNBA season. But yeah, so that's basically where you could find me at. Um, yeah, I'm just, I love covering women's basketball And I'm so excited for the WNBA season. I'm so excited to talk about the sun. Um, It's such, again, like I I feel like I have the best job in the world being able to cover the sport um, all year round because I think we need more people, like more beat writers uh, at the local level like me, more, you know, publications like Windsider, like you all um, that are doing this work, um, you know, as close to every day as possible. So um, it's awesome to join forces for this show and to talk more about the WNBA. Heck yeah. And I do want to ask because, I mean, we've interacted on Twitter a fair amount, uh, always respectfully, I think. If, okay. if it hasn't been on my part, I apologize. Um, no, but something I've always appreciated about your coverage is, one, besides the fact that you do it 365, essentially, which I think is insanely hard for people to understand how hard it is and important it is for people to continue doing what you're doing. But you're very interactive with people on social. And I think that's a key important aspect because when you post something about the Connecticut Sun and I agree, disagree, have a question, whatever, and I respond, you respond right back. And I appreciate that. But I'm curious how you got into this because for us independent people, you kind of have the one of like 10 real positions that get to do this. So I know you're grateful and lucky for what you do, but tell the folks who maybe, you know, are, are starting to get into it, uh, starting to get into the W, how you got to this position where you are today? 
Well, it's funny because I've always been a women's basketball fan, really since honestly watching UConn Notre Dame in you know the early to mid like 2010s. Like that was really what piqued my interest from the get go. And I played in high school and I loved it. I was not any good, but I loved what position? it. Uh, I was a guard. I'm a five seven, so okay. I can't really you know. Although in you my can't, you can't tell height on social media, so that's true. I will say on my AAU team, we weren't very good, so I actually had to play down low some, which that kind of should tell you that something was not quite right with that roster construction if I was opposed. But um, yeah, I, I just love the sport. I went to um, Stanford, and actually, one of the reasons I wanted to go there was because I thought it had such great like athletic spirit, and I wanted to be at a place where I could go to you know great sports games and. Um, I covered the Stanford women's basketball team um, during my time there. So that kind of only furthered my interest in women's basketball. But I never actually envisioned that I could cover women's basketball full time. Um, I always thought I'd go into football or I don't know, uh, not necessarily baseball, really football, maybe men's basketball, um, just because that's those are the types of jobs and the types of beats you see most frequently. But I covered, I also entered into Seattle Times, and that's when I first covered the WNBA. I covered the Storm, and it was in 2018. And I didn't get to cover their playoffs or their, you know, their WNBA title, but that was when I first really got introduced to WNBA up close and personal. And I was like, wait, this is great. Like, I remember when Skylar Diggins Smith came to Seattle, and I was like, oh my God, it's Skylar Diggins Smith. I watched her at Notre Dame growing up. This is too cool. I think she was then on the wings. And so um, it was just like stuff like that, where I had all these little kind of instances of realizing that this is like where my passion was, but I didn't kind of fully conceptualize that I could make a career out of it. And I really just got lucky. I saw this job, um, my current job opened up in the summer of 2019. And I, um, I, at that point, I was had just kind of graduated and I did some internships and I was trying to like think of my next move. I was traveling. I was actually literally in Greece when I saw the job had opened up and I <laughs> applied. They took a chance on me, I guess. And the rest is history, but it, it only just being here has only further kind of proved to myself, like, this is what I'm passionate about. Like it's hard for me to, I don't think I'd be as happy if I covered, you know, the Baltimore Ravens or, you know, some MLB team or even maybe an M NBA team. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure. Right now, I'm just I'm so happy to be, um, you know, like you said, there's not many jobs where you can cover, you know, full-time women's basketball kind of on a salaried basis. Um, so I'm just really grateful and I just love what I do every day. Well, we love it too. And we're excited to have you on the episode. Let's talk some Connecticut sun. Um, a rough off season, right? Just, just yeah. tough. Losing Alyssa Thomas, a person who literally put the team on her back back not shoulders had to go there um and and like willed this team to the semifinals this past year start what did they start off oh and six oh and five something crazy like that i mean it was the what we saw from connecticut this past season was not only growth of a team in real time but also just how powerful and good of a basketball player Alyssa Thomas is when she can do the things that she did. She gets injured, is out for the season due to an overseas injury. Um, and anytime I mention this, I always want to stress that she should be getting the Brianna Stewart rule called the, the Stewie rule, uh, <laughs> the ambassadorship. But politics is, is keeping that back. We don't need to get into whatever, but I think we both can agree that it's just ridiculous that a precedent was made that when a star 
top talent in the league goes down with an overseas injury. Again, I didn't make this precedent. The league did. Uh, that they created this ambassadorship role for Brianna Stewart, where she was paid more than her rookie scale contract at the time to do. I have no idea, no <laughs> idea what she did. And that I'm not knocking her like, get your bag, Stewie. But like, if you're going to set that precedent, I always need to do this rant. You also need to do it for the other players who, you know, yes, Alyssa Thomas is maybe not as big a name as Brianna Stewart. I get that. But that doesn't matter. She's just as important to the team, if not more important to the team that she plays for. And it put Connecticut in a really tough bind salary cap and roster wise. Um, Alexa, why don't you explain what this does to the roster uh, having her on the salary cap? Right. So basically, and the the kind of nuance of this situation is that Alyssa Thomas was a free agent when she got injured. So the Sun ended up signing her um, to a multi-year deal and they didn't, you know, they didn't want her to escape away. And they they're basically right now going to pay her to rehab. Um, they're paying her. I have the Shout out to her hoop stats for the their salary cap sheets. They're paying her two hundred thousand dollars a season just to like rehab in Connecticut, and um, but because of how their roster is constructed, constructed because they're paying someone like Dewana Bonner a lot of money, and they're paying John Quill Jones a lot of money, they basically can only have ten healthy players on the roster at a time. So they're Kurt Miller will always say they're carrying eleven this season, but that eleven includes Alyssa Thomas. So. They're, you know, and hope they're going to keep their fingers crossed that they're, they don't have any other major injuries or um, or anything like that comes up. But it is severely limiting um, kind of what they can do um, and how deep they can go. So right now in training camp, uh, they have, and again, I'm, I'm going to use the numbers, including Alyssa Thomas. They have nine returners. They're not all back at Connecticut yet, but they have nine returners. They have two open spots. And those two open spots are being competed for by, um, I think it's like, it'll be ultimately be 13 people, either they're draftees or people invited, like training camp invitees. So um, just a really unique situation, um, not an ideal situation. And I'm just personally, as a fan of basketball, I think anyone can actually agree that it's such a bummer that we don't get to see the big three after, you know, we thought we'd get it last year in the big three by that. I, I mean, Dewana Bonner, John Cole Jones, and, Alyssa Thomas, obviously John Cole Jones opted out of the season last year. So then we're like, okay, 2020, 2021's the year. And then Alyssa Thomas got hurt. So now it's basically, um, you know, actually John Cole Jones, um, she's a, I think she's a free agent after, is it after this yeah. season? Right. Yeah. So in theory, 2022 maybe, but also you, there's just so many unknowns and hopefully Alyssa comes back to full strength with her Achilles tear, but that's such a tough injury as it is. So, um, you know, the Sun's also kind of, I don't want to say taking a chance, but they're really hoping that she, they're paying her a lot of money with the assumption that she can return to what she was, once was. So there's just, yeah, tough offseason, like you said, for the Sun. Oh, and and, and I would add to it that, I mean, look, Alyssa Thomas is a free agent. Let, let's be realistic. There was a lot of people knocking on her door, blowing up her phone saying, you know, hey, we want you on our team. And I know from talking to to people off record, so I'm not going to name names. There was multiple teams that offered her, you know, we'll we'll take the hit. We have the salary cap to take the hit and not have this affect us like it will affect Connecticut. But so Connecticut not only was in a tough situation of like, look, this is Alyssa Thomas. I mean, she is the soul 
the engine of our team for many years now, and we want to do right by her. But they also had that of even if Alyssa Thomas wants to, you know, if there's that mutual understanding, whatever, there's still that little birdie of other teams going tweet, tweet, tweet. We'll give you money that causes this situation to be a little bit more frictiony than anybody uh, would really want. Besides those other teams are like, let's let's get all the friction going. Um, but really good points, which you brought up. But let, let's talk about this team in this training camp. I know you've been there for all the media availabilities. And I'm curious for you. Um, we don't need to necessarily get into like the specifics of every names, because like you said, there's like 50,000 people trying out for two positions. But. <laughs> Just talk to me. Approximately yeah. 50, yeah. <laughs> approximately. Give or take a few. Um, give me your thoughts on, on training camp. What you know, what is what's Kurt Miller been talking about? What it has has there been any players that he's spoken about that's kind of made your ears perk up? Um, I mean, you are the Kurt Whisperer. Oh, I don't know if I can claim that quite. I mean, that's a special talent to be a Kurt uh, Kurt Miller whisperer. But uh so far, um, it's been so unique. Like I said, they have a ton of people. The other kind of issue, not issue, but factor kind of at play right now in training camp is all six of their kind of like, you know, protected veterans were late to camp. So they finally got back Beatrice Mom Premier. She's not one of the protected veterans, but they finally got her back because they only had two returners at the start of camp. So they finally get Beatrice back. Today they got Bree Jones back. And I, you know, we sit down and there's Zoom availability. I'm like, so Kurt, how's Bree Jones look? Like, you finally got her back. And he throws his hands up in there and he seems very relieved that uh, she finally is uh, back um, in Connecticut. And Dewana Bonner, I think, is supposed to join them Friday. So um, it's like such a weird, um, Kurt almost compared it to his days in college coaching because he had to do so much teaching with so many new faces, so many relatively inexperienced players. So um, at right now, when we're recording this episode, we are expecting the first um, round of cuts or singular cut to come through because they have to make room for Dewana Bonner to, uh, to come back. But that'll happen at some point this afternoon. So, yeah. So basically right now, um, it's weird because, like I said, they have – well, right now it's 11 players that are competing for two spots. And so the vast majority of these people aren't even going to be on the team um, in like two weeks. So, and then like the players that Kurt's going to build the team around are like finally starting to come back. So they can't even really get into the crux of like, okay, how's it going to work to have to play John Quill Jones and Bree Jones, you know, on the court at the same time. Like they can't even get that figured out now because John Quill Jones is not at camp. So um, it seems like it's been competitive though, from what Kurt said. Um, He's had good things to say about the draftees. I think everyone, including the draftees are still kind of, you know, they have flashes, but they're learning and um, they're trying to see like that improvement from day to day. Um, uh, and then a few names that have popped up just over the first two days in terms of the um, kind of free agent signings they had were like Mor- Morgan Birch and um, Fionda Fitzgerald. Um, but that, you know, again, there's only two roster spots open. And we were talking before the show um, started. We, we are assuming Dijanae Carrington out of Baylor will probably have one of those. So um, just such a hard, um, you know, it's always hard to make a WNBA roster. It's going to be really hard to make the Suns roster with, uh, all the people that are in camp right now, but eventually they're going to have now, but you know, by the end of the week, they'll have, let's see, one, two, three, four, five returners. So that's an improvement from where we were Sunday. And then John Quill Jones, Kurt did say is returning to the States. It's taking some time to kind of 
resettle and kind of get in a good place mentally after, you know, a strenuous season in Russia. So she'll eventually be at the at camp and in Connecticut and she'll be good to go, obviously, for the beginning of the of the season. So just a lot of things in flux is basically the long and short of it. Yeah, no. And that sounds horrible for his coaching staff and frustrating for the players. I hope Fitzgerald makes the roster just so I can use the nickname Fitz because it's just fun to say. Um, yes. But no, I mean, I, I agree. I think, you know, when when they got Carrington, it was very easily and very quickly for me. Look, no one's filling the shoes of an Alyssa Thomas. There's not another player like her in the league. Um, but something that I did see and people have scoffed at me about this is Carrington. There's just something about her game that in my mind goes, that is the perfect backup for Alyssa Thomas. Now, something we always need to talk about when we're talking about a Kurt Miller run team is he is known for basically starting and playing his starting five all game long, but losing Alyssa Thomas and giving that commitment to paying her her full salary is a huge deal because what we talked about earlier, the team can't pay the full, you know, can't have a full roster because of that. It has salary cap implication implications that are really bad. In my mind, there's really only one open spot because they got Carrington. If they had drafted a different player, maybe we'd be looking at this slightly different. In my mind, there's literally one open spot, um, assuming she gets that if my if my math is correct. Is that right? Yeah, that's yeah. And just so we're, I guess, completely precise, um, technically, we're, we're, when I say there's nine returners and then two open spots, like Natisha Heideman and Beatrice Mom Premier, because uh, I've seen some confusion about this on Twitter, which is why I want to address it. Like, clarify from all indications from Kurt, like he's counting them as like making the team. They're technically on like, I guess you could say training camp contracts. Um, but he seems to be including them again, barring some crazy surprise. Although he even said yesterday, like something about Beatrice being on the team for the years to come. So anyway, my point is that th- we're including those two in the nine. So it really does end up being two, or if you're assuming Dijanae, um makes it, then it's, it's literally one spot. Well, and, and I'll say just for more, for additional clarification, Training camp contract is an interesting aspect. When you sign a training camp contract, that doesn't hit your salary cap. So what teams will often do, and I think probably with Heidemann, there's a very specific reason why it happened, and I'm not going to assume, but I think it has to do with this, which is when you sign them to training camp contracts, I can say, hey, REA, I'm giving you a training camp contract, but you are a shoe-in for the roster, but we need you to not have your salary on the salary cap right now. We don't want it to hit the salary because if it does, then we're going to have issues, you know, moving other things around and pulling together a roster of players uh, for training camp. So that's an interesting aspect also that I'm sure a lot of, a lot of coaches are, you know, playing with and and dealing with um, just so that they can have the rosters that they want in, in training camp and during the rest of the season. But the really interesting thing is how Kurt has constructed this salary cap and this roster based on the CBA. And I think it's going to be a really interesting thing we're going to see over the next few years, which is the, well, you can't have such a top heavy team unless you're Kurt Miller, right? Because most teams play deeper into their roster and to have that depth, you got to pay those, those depth players. So you can't just have, you know, half or two thirds of your salary cap going to a few players, right? You need to 
find a way to spread that love. And that's going to be a futuristic issue for Connecticut that we can talk about later. But I want to get into the nuts and bolts. You know, we're looking at this team. Obviously, as you pointed out, it's a huge disappointment that we're not going to have the big three together. Heck, it might end up happening. I'm not, you know, predicting, as you said, John Quill Jones, unrestricted free agent next season. We might never even get to see the big three together, which is scary, horrible and sad and frustrating in in its own way. Um, but let's talk a little bit about ceiling and floors. I think it's easy to say we saw what the floor was last year in the very early uh, runnings of this team. But I think, you know, because look, you're missing a very key, very important player and you don't have that crazy depth that maybe you have in other teams. So I think we kind of know what the, the floor is for this team, right? Not gelling well, you know, starting off 0-5 and really having an uphill battle for the rest of the season and possibly not even making the playoffs. That's the floor, right? Realistic? Maybe not. But I want to talk about the ceiling. Um, I'll let you go first because I've been talking for way too long. But <laughs> talk to me about who, what, like kind of in your mind, and it doesn't have to be like, championships the ceiling it can be you know you heard me say floor what do you think the ceiling is yeah so it's interesting because I remember I kind of came away from last season and obviously Alyssa Thomas was on that team but I was like wow like if this team went from like 0 and 6 or I don't even remember 0 and 6 or 1 and 6 whatever it was to like coming within a basket of advancing to the finals again as as terrible as that game five of the semifinals was I literally have like or like horrific nightmares, not actually, but like that was just like, an <laughs> ugly end to that series. Um, they literally were within a basket of, of knocking, you know, bases off. So um, I just, I just remember coming away with that feeling like, wow, like as long as, you know, you know Kurt's such a good coach, like he can coach his team like far, like they had uh, obviously Alyssa was such a, hard, a huge part of that. So that's why it's like hard to, completely um like use that as a kind of a, a benchmark but they were able to really come together throughout the season and figured out how to work with you know Dewana was a new addition um Bree January came to camp I'm sorry she came to the bubble late and you know after having COVID so it took her to get some time under her belt and I think the bubble season just in general general was so weird that I, I don't feel like we're gonna I would be shocked if we see the same kind of repetition of of like the you know winless start as we did last year although again like now they're not they're figuring out how to play without Alyssa and then those same players from last year without John or with John Quell Jones so I think that's a whole roundabout way of me saying like I I don't really know what to think about this team because you can't even look back to 2019 because that team had uh Courtney Williams and Shakina Strickland last year's team didn't have John Cole Jones and it did have Alyssa Thomas. And so I'm just, I'm very curious to see all these, how all these pieces fit together because Alyssa is such a huge part of what they do from a defensive standpoint, from a facilitating standpoint. Um, so I, I just have questions over how they're going to kind of replace that. Now, in terms of what they need to do to compete, you know, to have a deep playoff run or if they want to compete for a championship, like what that would have to look like. Um, I'm again really interested to see how John Quill Jones does in her first year back. Uh, I think she's going to be hugely important. I mean, that's like an understatement. She had a NBA or MVP caliber season in 2019. Um, I think she only becomes more important now without Alyssa. Um, 
And then again, like, how is she going to work with this is their whole front court? Like, how is she going to work with Bree Jones? You know, are they going to move? Are we going to see more of Dewana? That you know, is she going to be moved to the three? Or they, how are they going to kind of just make all that work? Um, who's going to be that kind of more? They need they need another kind of explosive guard, I think, that can um, create their own shot. If that's going to be someone like Dijanet, that could be great for them. But um, anyway, I don't really think I answered your question. I think my <laughs> and, and for everyone to know, like usually, I don't actually know usually how this happens because for as long as I've covered the W, it's mostly been you know like at least training camp sort of situation it's been um all virtual so i haven't even seen practice you know it's not like i can be like oh well this is what they're you know playing around with in practice but but i feel like you posed the questions of what's going to be like what are the questions to decide what that ceiling is and i i snap second whatever the term is what you're saying about john Quill jones i mean they lost Alyssa Thomas, a player who was playing at MVP caliber play, and they replaced her, not replaced her, you know, verbatim, but they replaced her with a player who has played at MVP caliber play, has had some time off. Yes, had a tough season overseas. Um, and I mean that just in the sense of the overseas season this season with COVID and everything has been insane, exhausting, and really trying on these players physically and mentally. Um, but I agree, like, the, it's going to be a different equation, and I think we're going to see some growth pains early on. And, you know, what are we going to see from international commitment from these players is a whole nother question. Definitely. Um, yeah. But for me, I the, something that you said that really stood out that I completely agree with is the a guard position who can create. Because I think what we saw very early on with Connecticut last season was before January got there, there was a struggle to do that. You know, Heidemann was up and down. Um, Holmes was up and down. Like, there wasn't consistency. All, all these players, you know, that were on the roster last year showed promise, showed the ability to do things. But then when Kurt gave them the opportunity to start or additional minutes, it kind of, in my mind, from you know thousands of miles away, reinforced his coaching style of running with the same five all game long because there wasn't that consistency. Now, the devil's advocate would say, well, if you don't give them enough minutes to truly become consistent, that's your own fault. But I completely understand where he's going from because Kurt Miller is aware of how good this team can be, how much talent they have, and their ceiling to finish what you're saying is playing in the championship. Now, in the finals, is their ceiling winning the finals? I think that might be a little bit of a stretch, just based off the fact they don't have their big three, just based off the fact that, you know, players are coming late to training camp. So it's going to be, you know, a, maybe a little bit of a rough early on in the season. But I do think that, you know, you're not drinking the Kool-Aid. You're not going crazy if you're saying that this team can make the WNBA finals this year. I mean, crazier things have happened. Like you said, they were a shot away last year. And if you would have told me last year that they were going to do that, you know, 20 games, 10 games into the season, I would have said you're crazy. Right. Um, I've just I've seen it like, oh, I have a very short sample size because like my literally my first season and like the first eight weeks of this job, I cover them in the finals. And so I'm like, I've seen it too many times before, like people thinking like they had no shot and then they they were in the finals and they were minutes away from winning that. Um, the disrespect. Know, the game five. Right. Disrespect. <laughs> um, and then last year, it's like. You know, they were in the semis and they, they almost advanced to the finals. And I don't think they would have beaten the Storm, but, you know, 
Um, there again, I go with the disrespect, I guess. Uh, I shouldn't have even said that, but yeah, no, I think, I think they, <laughs> I hope, I just hope side note, I just hope that more teams find words that have their initials in it and start using that as their low, their slogans more. Just hey, put that out. it's a great, uh, marketing or just like, you know, get the conversation going tool. So I have no problem with it personally. Um, but yeah, no, I think they have, I mean, again, like, so now, now that I've kind of collected my thoughts, I think I think you're right. I think we can expect maybe the front court to figure itself out one way or another by the end of the season. Like, I, like I think that's where the question. My questions are, you know, like how's this all going to work like right now? But theoretically, I think they can figure that out like between now and August. But um, when we're thinking about the the back court, you know, we have Jasmine Thomas, Bree January, and then maybe Dijanae Carrington or, or some, you know, I think that's, I mean, that's how they've constructed their training camp. They're definitely seems to be looking for, um, you know, they want a guard who can, again, create their own shot. I think they also need some three point shooting, although, you know, spacing wise, it's going to help to have um, JJ back. But last year they shot like 31% um, on threes and um, they haven't really been able to, I think that that was like a weakness of their game definitely, um, as the season went on and, in you know, they prevented them from getting over that hump initially. But, um, I think, yeah. And ja- Jasmine Thomas, like she's really good at what she does, like in terms of, you know, being a floor general, but she's not going to be that, you know, I mean, she had a few games, I think in the playoffs where she had like crazy point totals, but she's not going to be that, you know go-to scoring option and, and Bree January. I'm interested to see what we see from her. Um, you know, again, she struggled a little bit with her shot. It's, it seemed like when she got there and, and slowly got her rhythm, but um, I think someone like Harrington could be really promising kind of counterbalance to what they offer. Um, and also just the way she plays. I mean, also in both ends actually too, because she is such a defensive, you know, physical defensive player. Um, I think they really like that about her as well. So um, I'm intrigued to see how that, situation also works out um well i think the defensive aspect of carrington is kind of the silver lining of this because you know my next question was going to be like what do we think the weakness of this team is going to be and i think an easy cop-out would say depth an easy cop-out would say not having Alyssa thomas or an easy cop-out would say let's point to the guards um but i honestly think you know maybe this is too umbrella of an issue or too umbrella of a term but i think defensively is kind of where the weakness of this team is going to be. And I don't say that in the sense of I'm calling it now. This is going to be the weak part of this team. Kurt Miller team is going to be defensive driven. The reason I say it is because they don't have that anchor of Alyssa Thomas. Now they are bringing in John Cole Jones, who is going to do wonders for their paint defense, but to not have that Alyssa Thomas, like just, you know, wet blanket on you, you are tied down just frustration through the roof type defense. That was for me, like that was something that this team could rest their hat on all last season. We're struggling offensively. Look at game five. They're struggling offensively, whatever it was, they could always hang their hat on defensively. We know what we're going to do and we're going to be great. So my question and my thought of weakness, even though I've just listed a bunch of things that very well, you could say is the weakness. My thought for the weakness has to be, uh, defense and if not if they're abil- able if they have the ability if they're able uh to you know kind of cement defense as their calling card what what do you think the weakness is going to be yeah i think no i think you're spot on with that and one thing that 
you know, always sticks out to me is like Kurtz described before how like Alyssa Thomas is basically like their starting point on how they go into like defensive, you know, scheming or planning and, and how they decide that they want to run things on that end of the floor. So she really, and I think, I think sometimes that can go a little bit, I don't know, maybe it isn't overlooked, but I mean, she did have a, I don't know. I feel like people probably did maybe understand that because she was in the conversation for defensive player of the year, but you know, that's a huge factor. Although again, I do think it does help that they have a paint um, or they have a rim protector that they didn't necessarily have last year. um, Cause that's not the type of player that Bree Jones is. Although Kurt was going on and on today about how um, he thinks that Bree Jones is an underrated defensive player, um, you know, on that end of the floor, but yeah, no, I, I think you're kind of spot on in general with um, that question. But uh, can Carrington help with that? Um, you know, they still do have, you know, Jasmine Thomas and and Bree January are good perimeter defenders too. So that's – it's not like they are, um, you know, completely, help, you know, hopeless in that end floor. It's just they don't have, like you said, that anchor. So I don't know if you can fully replace that or if the sum kind of, of the parts that they have are going to have to just make up for it. But – um, that's definitely going to be something to watch out for once they uh, kind of get going with the season. Let's talk about strength, positive side. Some people hate that I'm always so negative, but <laughs> what, what do you think the uh, the strength of this team will be? I mean, for me, it's maybe this is crazy, but just like the idea of having a player like John Quell Jones and Juana Bonner on the same team to me is a kid at a candy store. Um, their ability to do so many things with that now, a lot of people will point to uh, percentages of Bonner's shooting not being the greatest. I am so hyped on Bonner. It's not even <laughs> funny. I, I like I've thought she's been underrated for I hope she's been in the in the league this long for like 20 years. Now I'm joking. Um, but <laughs> no, like I, I just think she's been one of those players who does like she does what she's asked to do, you know, and we saw that last season when she put the team on her back at times. I mean, it was literally Bonner and Alyssa Thomas the whole game. It was pretty, pretty ridiculous. Um, so for me, I, I'm just excited for the spacing they're going to be able to get with John Quill Jones joining this team and what that will do for the likes of Bonner, January or Thomas. Um, I, yeah, I guess I, I guess the strength for me, I, I'm very much comparing to last year. The strength for me is offensively. I'm very excited about this team. Definitely. Although I do want to, you did bring up her three point shooting. I have in front of me, it was 25% last year. Just wanted to to throw that out there. So didn't necessarily equate to, you know, the, the percentages they would hope from her. But um, yeah, no, I think again, um, just being able to play around with um, the spacing there that you can get with Dewana and, and, and JJ. Um, I'm intrigued. I'm just really intrigued to see how, um, how they can all come together. But I mean, having watched them last year, as much as Alyssa Thomas did, especially in the playoffs, put the team on her back. I mean, Dewana was still a huge part of that. And we can't really, um, you know, talk enough about that. I don't think, I do think she kind of did fly. I don't say flew under the radar, but um, you know, I think because of recency bias, it was all about Alyssa, but Dewana was also a huge reason why they got there. Although I will say um, she didn't have the best, Playoff or maybe not playoff. I don't know if it, I'm thinking of the playoffs in general or just maybe the Aces series. But if they again, like if it, if they do get in the playoffs and they are fighting for 
um, you know, deep postseason run. Like they also, I think, need, needed more from her than they got um, in 2020. So I mean, that's thinking way down the line of like September from now. But um, yeah, I'm just excited to see that. I'm also really intrigued to see how um, Bree Jones does this year. Kurt's been really high on her um after you know the season she had overseas and um you know i think her just especially because of um you know just how this roster is constructed the fact that and i'm not necessarily sure if this is a thing but if if jj does have to go to eurobasket um in june i think that only becomes more important you know that brie jones is um being able to build off of the season she had last year so that's kind of i guess that's like a I'm not, maybe not in terms of an offensive strength. I'm, I'm answering that question, but that's just another, again, question or um, factor to their, um, their offense that will be important. But um, yeah, I, I'm excited in general too. Um, I'm Bree January getting another year under her belt. I know she's um, on the more kind of older experience side, but you could also see just how much things changed when they did get her back fully healthy last year. So well, and, and that was the other thing. I think healthy is is the key word with that one, because a lot of players, you know, Courtney Williams in Atlanta, Glory Johnson in Atlanta, um, and there there's a few other players. And I'll obviously want to give, you know, the the biggest prayers and uh, sweet recovery to uh, Asia Durr, who has had long term effects from COVID. I feel like a lot of people, you know, Connecticut was seriously affected by COVID and by losing multiple players, some players for the whole season, some players for part of the season, then you had to build their way back. Atlanta was also one of those teams that was seriously affected by it. And you saw players who played with more energy kind of not really have that same energy early on because they were getting back from it. So I do want to tip my cap to what you were saying with that. Um, but I did cut you off. Was there something that you wanted to finish off? With? No, I don't think so. Um, I'm just kind of, yeah, again, I think my my overall just, uh, I guess, message right now is I just have a lot of questions. I, I feel like that's like a bad cop out for a beat reporter um, who's supposed to be like an, an expert on this uh, on this team. But um, you know, I think there's a lot of reason to be. I don't think they're, I think the other kind of biggest takeaway I have is like, I don't think it's like a lost cause that like just because they don't have Alyssa. And maybe, maybe they can't win a championship. But I don't think it's a lost cause that they're going to have like a terrible season. Um, also, just looking at other teams and just looking at like the the um, kind of like the track record that some of these players have, and um, you know that Kurt has, I, I think they could also have like a they could probably surprise some people with what they do by the end of the season. They're going to be one of those teams that are going to be fun to watch. I mean, no matter what, because because of the differences, because of the changes, it's going to be exciting to just see. Kurt coaching this year um, and and what he can do. So I'm going to put you on spot. Oh, you have to pick one player on this roster that is going to be the key for their deep playoff success to, to championship, final, semifinal, whatever it is. This player is going to be the key in your mind for them making a deep playoff run. Oh, gosh. And I, I'm going second because I don't want – I want you to have full pick of the team, okay. and then I, I won't pick the same as you. Okay. Maybe I, – I don't know. I kind of – I'll say John Quell Jones because just coming off of the year that she had in 2019, and despite – you know, she obviously was in the bubble last year. Um, she 
I, I think if she can build upon that, and it's kind of weird because of the fact that she was um, she didn't play with the team last year, but if she can build off of what she had in 2019, um, I think that this that makes this team like so much more dangerous. Um, I'm really excited to see how she. I'm. I think again, like just everything we've talked about, I'm. I'm really excited to see how she can look out there. How she can work with all these pieces. Um, I think they definitely missed her last year. Um, even though they did kind of figure things out towards the end. So um, just with her versatility, um, the spacing that she brings, that she's going to be able to be a rim protector and um, contribute defensively in ways that they, they didn't necessarily have last year. Um, I, I think if they if she can repeat slash build upon what she did in 2019, then um, that would be you know key for their deep postseason run. Well, you stole mine. Sorry. So <laughs> no, no worries. I mean, I'm just super hyped on John Cole Jones. And I agree. I mean, look, if you're talking about a player who's going to be playing MVP caliber play, you'd be crazy not to, you know, mention her name as the key player. Um, I'll be honest. I'm, I'm a little bit torn between Bonner and Jasmine Thomas. And I'm going to say that it's going to be Jasmine Thomas. And the reason I'm going to say this, because I think Bonner is kind of the easy response. Jasmine Thomas is the player who, you know, for years during when they had that set five of Shakina, Courtney, uh, the Thomases, John Quell, like when they had that set five, the question kept being, OK, but who's going to be that go to score when they're in a time of need? And, and the deflective response was always, it doesn't matter. We have a stacked lineup. We can give it to whoever. But I've always kind of pinned Jasmine Thomas as a leader of this team in the sense of. You know, we saw it in the playoffs at times. We saw it where she just blew up for, I think it was 32 points in that one game. Mm -hmm. Um, And defensively, no one's ever going to question her defensive game. For me, it's going to be about, you know, obviously she's going to have a little bit more ground to cover with not having the amazing play of Alyssa Thomas defensively. But offensively, if she can, you know, kind of step up her offensive game consistently, I think right there you're talking about a team that, loses a lot of the question marks that we've been talking about this whole this whole episode. Um, so that's my final answer. Okay. One more time, remind the folks where they can see your work. Um, and if there's any other topic that you want to touch on real quick, please let me know. Oh, I just wanted to add to the Jasmine thing. I, I think you can probably argue for the most part that like the sun go as like Jasmine goes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just think that's even maybe going back to like beyond last season. So I think that only just like further solidifies your point. So I'm intrigued to see if they um, kind of look to her more as that go-to um, scoring option um, or how that can play out. Cause like they can't for so much of like last year, if they did need a basket, they're going to Alyssa. They can't do that now. Um, so do they do they look to Jasmine? Are they going to look to, John Quell, um, or they look to Dewana, or are they going to actually trust uh, their point guard to get it done? So um, we'll That's have to see. Question. So many questions. Yeah. So exciting. Um, <laughs> in terms of plugging my work, yes. Um, I can be found on Twitter at Alexa Philippou and then at current.com. We'll be covering uh, all things sun and also just big picture WNBA stuff. One of the cool parts of my job is that because I have the sun angle and also, you know, all the kind of entry points of, a former UConn players playing in the league. I, I, I'm going to try and do some big picture stuff for the league or, you know, checking in with the different UConn players too. So you can also find myself on them. Well, I'm excited for that. That is amazing. Here's your daily reminder of Winsider is your one-stop shop for all your WNBA news and conversation. 
but we can't do it without your help. Become a subscriber at patreon.com backslash Winsider. For just a few dollars a month, you can help grow the game.